We are thrilled to be able to go to our Auburn Bank phone line and bring on our good pal Chelsea James of the Washington Post to talk with us about Major League Baseball and things going on in that sport. Chelsea, we appreciate the time. How are you today? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. We've enjoyed our conversations in the past. Wanted to get back in touch and kind of talk about the season so far. A lot of news in sports, period, with uh, the college football realignments taking place that we're seeing, an NBA free agency off and rolling, other sports in their offseason. But the season continues to move forward for Major League Baseball. Uh, What have been some of the biggest stories this season uh, from your perspective, Chelsea? You know, I think think for me one of the – Kind of things we watched all winter obviously was the collective bargaining between the players union and the owners and i think both sides had aspirations that a whole lot would change in in those negotiations and it doesn't seem like a whole lot has um you know you still have a lot of teams tanking as as we you know you say a lot of teams that are kind of way out of contention you know the same big market teams are, are competitive so you know i think i think that's been interesting and, and then also just kind of the game, I think, has, has been exciting in large part. It, you know, it has been a lot of fun games, a lot of, you know, you know, the big stars kind of coming through. Shohei Otani having a great year will always be one of the big stories that baseball has until he's gone. So, yeah, I think it's been kind of an interesting year with a lot changing, but also, you know, some good on-field products. And lately, Chelsea, we've been reading about this Freddie Freeman agent saga. Obviously, he had his return to Atlanta last weekend. It was a very emotional weekend. What did you make of the emotions involved there? And now what's allegedly coming about, uh, he said, she said, about uh, Freddie Freeman's agent in the Braves? It's wild. You know, it's it's definitely a strange situation. And I think, you know, Freddie Freeman is someone with whom I've only ever had very positive interactions and you know, I know things have kind of come out afterwards with teammates being frustrated with him or whatever. But, you know, I think by and large, you know, you, you kind of know who Freddie Freeman is just from watching all these years. And it's tough, you know, it, it's also tough to know who's telling the truth, right? I think when something like this happens, you know, the Braves have every incentive to kind of make it seem like they did their best and, and they got screwed in the end. But, um, you know, who knows if that's true? And, and then the stuff about his agent not bringing him the last offer, that's kind of you know, that's sort of like an actionable offense. You know, if they didn't do that, they get in actual trouble. So it seemed kind of unlikely that that was the whole story. It's, it's all very complicated, but I think it's, it's very clear that Freddie Freeman wanted to stay and, and isn't able to. And I don't know, it's always sort of jarring when someone's life turns like that. You know, you always sort of expect these guys get what they want or they're after the money, but it's it's interesting to kind of just watch how that's played out. Because I think the Braves are fine without him. And, you know, it's, it's always just kind of a little jarring and sad, frankly, to see somebody sad to, to be where they are. And I was going to also say, Chelsea, as you just mentioned, I mean, in the midst of all this, the Braves are playing uh, some of the best best baseball in the major leagues right now. They, they've willed yeah. down an NL East uh, lead that the Mets once saw was around double digits. So, I mean, take into account all of this, all these distractions and the fact that Matt Olson is now the, the first baseman of the Braves and, and how well some of these guys have played. Are you surprised the Braves have been able to get this hot in the midst of all this and already start to make it? Uh, a two-horse race in the NL East? I'm not surprised at all. You know, I think for me, it's easy to say right now that they're playing well, but like that team is so good. I mean, they're just so deep. They're so well-constructed. They've they've been through it. You know, they know that it's not the end of the road if they struggle. The Mets always are going to have those doubts in the back of their mind just from being the Mets. Um, and I think, you know, Atlanta's just so deep. I mean, you know, to, to do what they did last year without Acuna, they, they should feel like they can do anything, and I think they do. And 
know, they're going to have the advantage in the second half because it's, you know, they're going to be breathing down the Mets' neck. And, you know, the story is not going to be the Braves are, are coming back. It's going to be the Mets are, are losing it. And that's, that's never where you want to be if you're the Mets. So, you know, I think that, that Atlanta's just built so well for so such a long term, really. And it's, uh, it's no surprise that they're back in it. And, you know, especially if they make a move or two with the deadline, it's like what, I don't see why they can't sort of duplicate what they were able to do last year. Well, let's stay there for just a moment. Obviously, here in Auburn, Alabama, we're just 100 miles away from Truist Park, so very much so in the heart of Braves country. You mentioned Ronald Acuna Jr. not being with the team a year ago down that postseason run, recovering from the torn ACL injury. We see yesterday that he's the top vote-getter in the National League, will be starting in the Midsummer Classic. What's it been like to see Acuna, one of the game's brightest stars, back there playing for Atlanta? Oh, I mean, it's... It's, I, when the season started, I, I was thinking about them, and it's like, oh, man, like, they have Acuna, too, you know? And he's, he's so good and so dynamic, and, and, like, not even at the height of his powers, probably. Like, there's still a lot of development to be done there. And, you know, it's, it's going to be great if we get to see him down the stretch, get to see him in a postseason, you know, imagine what last year would have been like with him there. But, you know, I think he's a, he's a real generational talent that, you know, sometimes gets lost in the shuffle, I think. It's... it's you know, there's some big names out there, and with the injury last year, you kind of forget how good he really is. But I think when you get to, you know, late September and October, and, and they're on the national stage a lot more, people are going to remember why Ronald Acuna Jr. is such a big deal and why he's so fun to watch. Because he's, he's about as exciting as, as it gets. When the ball goes off his bat, it's just different. It's always been different, and it's, it's really fun to watch. You can follow her on Twitter at Chelsea underscore Janes of the Washington Post talking all things Major League Baseball right now. Chelsea, we saw a story recently from you about the pitch clock in the game, and that's something that's been in the sport for a few seasons now at at the college level that we see here in Auburn and and even beyond that. People are always trying to talk about the pace of game and how things can improve. Tell us a little bit about this story and what your recent findings have been. Yeah, you know, I think think it's coming. I think the pitch clock is going to be in Major League Baseball potentially as soon as next year, and I think it should be. It's uh, getting to see it is a real, it's really fascinating because you realize how much dead time there is in baseball. You know, I think we all know that, but uh, it really just sucks out all the stuff you don't need. You're not sitting there like, what are we sitting around for? Why is this guy taking so long? Um, you know, it's just like a, it's a real, for lack of a better term, game changer, and I think you might have some traditionalists who, who say, oh, you know, well, the game, you know, the guys need the time that they need to make their pitches, or you'll see some veterans grumbling and stuff. But, but baseball needs to expand its fan base. I mean, attendance is down, viewership is down, and you don't have to worry about the people that love four-hour games. If they're there for four hours and loving every minute, they're going to love every minute of two and a half hours, too. But I think when you start to try to expand this, and there's so much competition for attention and so many other faster you know, more action-packed sports, you, you got to make some adjustments. And I think it's a perfect adjustment because it doesn't change anything. All it changes is that there is less kind of wandering around and, and all the stuff that none of us really want to see anyway. So I think it's it's really fun to watch in person, and I, and I do kind of hope it sticks. I really I think it could change things for the better. Uh, and, and you speak of changes, Chelsea. I mean, a, a couple more things want to ask you about. Uh, and first, something that has been kind of being reported here in recent days is the – potential for robot umps coming in in 2024 to call balls and strikes where where do you stand on this and uh, and so far i think they've done some testing of this in the minor leagues i guess they're pleased with what they've seen test wise i think they are it's interesting because i actually last year they were testing a few different rules and i went down to see 
they had moved the mound back a foot. And that was obviously a huge deal. All the pitchers were worried about it. But when I got there, the thing that people in that league said was, it's not the mound moving back a foot we noticed. It's the robo-ons that are the problem. And they didn't like them. And I think part of that was because, and, and league officials have admitted this, it's just hard to calibrate the strike zone, right? It's hard to, they have to figure out a sweet spot. They have to figure out where they want to figure out when the strike is, right? So is it, is it to be, when it crosses the front of the plate, is it as it comes over the back? You know, there's all these little things they have to calibrate. They sort of change with every hitter. But I think they feel like they're getting closer to being able to do that in a way that people can, can you know, respect. The thing I've heard most from people about those is, is players just get mad because they don't have anyone to yell at. And I know that sounds like funny and trivial, but it's, it's real. Like, they're like, we don't have anyone to yell at. If something goes wrong, you know, it's just, it's just a really interesting sort of psychological uh, change that you would have to make there. But 2024 still seems quick to me. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be surprised if it, if it really does happen then. I think the pitch clock's a lot easier while it's complicated. But, yeah, I mean, I think, I think if you have the technology to do it right, um, then it's probably worth it. Or, or maybe you have the technology to even imp- implement it in a review system where you get to challenge a couple calls a game. You know, maybe something like that is a good compromise. But, yeah, that's, you know, they're getting closer on that for sure. And then remind us, Chelsea, uh, of any other CBA rule changes that could be coming. I know this year we've had uh, the continuation of the runner on second rule and extra innings. Remind people, is that going away next year or kind of what's the status on that? So I, I'm not sure. I think that that is probably going to stay. I think they, they put it back this year. It was originally not going to be a part of things. And they, the owners and players talked to get and said, let's do it. I don't know if that'll continue. I think that the goal of that rule, and I don't know, and I think it does achieve it, but it's a little bit awkward. It's just to make sure you don't run into these 18 inning games and, and blow out a lot of pitchers. I, I don't know if with a full spring training next year, if they feel like they'll need that or not. Um, you know, I think the, the thing to watch is when they left the negotiation, the, the way they got that deal done was they said, okay, you know, there's one last thing we have to figure out, and that is whether we will create an international draft. And the players weren't ready to agree to it then. So MLB said, okay, you have until July 25th. And if you want it then, that's great. We won't have the qualifying offer system, you know, that, that kind of penalizes teams for signing big free agents. Obviously, the players would rather not have that because it means like, more teams are eager to bid on them. Um, but it's sort of up to the players now whether they say, okay, we want to change the international system entirely. Because right now it's kind of a free-for-all signing thing. Um, or if they, you know, want to have free agency in a way they like it. So... That, that deadline's coming up, and it's been kind of hush-hush about where all those negotiations stand, but the potential implementation of an international draft would change a lot of things. I mean, the Braves, for example, so much good young talent has come out of their international system, and it's, it's frankly, it's come cheaply because you can sign those guys young and, and turn them into something more expensive, and um, a draft would sort of even that playing field a bit more. So it'll be interesting to watch what happens with that. Our guest is Chelsea Janes of the Washington Post talking all things Major League Baseball as we get ready to get you out of here today. Again, thanks for the time. On on Friday, July 1st, here we are obviously a weekend away from Independence Day coming up on Monday. You think about the 4th of July. A lot of people are thinking about fireworks. You're thinking about the hot dog eating contest that takes place. But also, a lot of baseball has been ingrained in so many people's memories. What do you think is the best venue to take in a 4th of July game or, or what are some of those baseball moments that uh, that you absolutely love about Independence Day, Chelsea. You know, it's, I don't. I guess I don't know if it's the best place, but the place I've spent the most time is DC, and they play their Fourth of July game at 11 a.m. every year because they want to get everyone cleared out for the fireworks. And there's just sort of a lot of security concerns around. Um, but it's a blast, actually. It's kind of a rare 
you know, normally no one wants to get up early, but for that day, <laughs> people do. They've had a lot of fun on that day for some reason. You know, the stands are packed. It's kind of an event, and it's it's fun, and it's very DC. You know, get out of the way before you know the real stuff comes. It's it's, a, it's always a lot of fun. It's early for sure, but it's it's really interesting and, and a good experience. All-Star Week coming up. We've got the trade deadline right around the corner about a month from now as well. Where can we find all of your work, Chelsea? Uh, just if you're brave enough, uh, Chelsea underscore James on Twitter. Uh, I don't know if I recommend <laughs> it in big doses, but that's where I'm at. <laughs> Perfect. Well, thank you so much for the time, and we'll catch up again sometime soon, okay? Yeah, thanks for having me. Outstanding. That's Chelsea Janes. She writes for the Washington Post. And again, as she said, on Twitter, at Chelsea underscore Janes.